Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Well, the bad looks. There are some bad looks. And then there are some awful looks. And then there's whatever the hell is going on with the Buccaneers. Yes, I'm starting there. There are some bad, bad looks there. And I'm not talking about Tom Brady's Kevin Bacon face. I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of going on. No, I'm talking about that concrete curb sando they ate in Carolina yesterday. Well, and Bacon 45's face as well. But mostly the 21-3 beatdown in Charlotte. They, that offense, a Tom Brady offense, put up three points against the woebegone Panthers who've given up on the year already. This was supposed to be the ultimate get-right game. Panthers just bleep-canned their head coach. They shipped off their best player. They were throwing out a quarterback to face down the GOAT who had only made three previous career starts. I mean, look at these guys. I don't care what they say. They had flat-out given up on their season. And the only remaining question was who else they might offer up in their fire sale and how high a draft pick they could tank themselves into. I don't want to hear about we haven't given up, we have pride, we're trying every week, because everything you're doing would illustrate just the opposite. Yet somehow the Bucks didn't get that memo. Somehow the Bucks took the ultimate get-right game and used it to get all wrong, to set their own house on fire, to take a big dump in their pants. You have a big dump in your pants. And this thing went off the rails nearly as soon as they took the field. With 90 seconds in, Mike Evans had the drop of the year in what should have been the easiest walk-in touchdown of the year. Brady fires downfield, and the pass is bobbled and dropped by Mike Evans. Would have had an easy touchdown. Oh my goodness, you never see him do that. Mike Evans going up against Dante Jackson. This is good on good. He just pushed him right in the face, and I thought this was just an easy touchdown. Frankly, too easy for Mike Evans. You see the frustration. He never does that. Oh, my goodness. What a start to the game. That's exactly what the big head and I thought. What a start to our day. Never mind that game. That was Fox. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a drop that egregious. I mean, that was terrible for a team that had to have it. That was egregious. Like that old man put it right on that cat's numbers, hit that guy in stride, and Evans booted it, literally. And come to find out, that was their best offensive player the entire day. Like, I'm not going to say that this actually happened, but it sure felt like as soon as that went down, they all shut it down for the rest of the day. Like, none of them wanted to be there after that happened. Like, they know how crappy they are offensively and that that was going to be their only really good chance to house one, even against a really bad team. And Evans just dropped one of the easiest plays that he or any receiver are ever going to see. And especially this year for that team, because that offense is all jacked up. And by the way, if they all did think that, that that was going to be their best opportunity all day, they were right because they didn't do jack the rest of the day against one of the worst teams in the NFL who had already given up on the season. The Bucs think they're a title contender. 
Brady obviously would not have come back if he didn't think they were a title contender and then they just got bitch slapped by a team that had already punted on the season. But there is plenty of blame to go around. Plenty of blame to go around. I, I don't have enough time to spread all the blame around with the Bucks. Except Evan says, you know what? Go ahead. Start with me. Start with me. I know I'm the one and my drop that sucked the life out of everybody on that team. And probably on both sides of the ball, it was that bad of a drop and I own it. No one player is the sole reason you lose, but that was definitely the biggest reason that you know, I seen the life go out of us. And it, it took me a while to get back playing. You know, we were taught to just play the next play, but it was tough. You know, wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the best in the game. I got to catch that. I got to get that. That's what I wanted. Wide open look. I mean, that's how bad that was. He he said it took me a while to get my head back in the game. And like he said, they're taught from play one. They're taught from day one as young football players. Next play, next play, next play, next play. Doesn't matter. Next play, next play. That guy straight up as an NFL or any good NFL or said, yeah, it took me a long time to get myself right. And by the way, Mike, I would argue it took the rest of your teammates a long time to get right too because nobody was the same after that drop because that was one of the worst drops ever. In a get-right game with an old man quarterback who, by the way, is not what he used to be or close to it. And I'm not putting it all on him. But don't tell me it's got nothing to do with him. Do not tell me it's his line. It's his wide receivers. It's the fact that they can't run it. Yeah, that's all true. And it's him. He clearly is not the same player that he was even last year. So it's hard to argue what Evans said. But it's more than just Evans. However, from that point forward, that game was a complete ass-beating. And the most surprising and bizarre ass-beating of the year. Even Bacon's 45's face thinks that loss is hideous and shocking and can't believe it and doesn't know what happened and wants things to go back to the way it used to be. His face. So not exactly to hear, surprising to hear, Todd Bowles acknowledge how dark things are getting with the Bucks. Like, it is a dark, dark time. We have to wear this on our sleeves. They got to be grown men. We're going to see what we're made of, how many people can handle adversity. And it's about as dark as it's going to be right now. Yo, you got to wear that all right. You have to wear that all right because that was the most shocking loss of the season. Wear that. Huh? What was it? Oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. I see what you did there, Alvin. I get it. All right, so anyway, that house is on fire right now. And it's bad. I had to decide who to start with. They were rock bottom, or they better hope it's rock bottom. But I got to tell you, things are not much better in Green Bay. Not much better in Green Bay because the Packers also had a game this week against an organization in turmoil, against a backup quarterback as well. And again, they needed a get-right game. And that was a get-right game that was gift-wrapped by the schedule maker. And what did the Packers do? The same thing the Bucks did. They took an enormous dump in their pants. Yeah, dump in your pants. Not as enormous a dump in their pants, but a dump in the pants nonetheless. Yeah, a big dump in your pants. I mean, I'll give the Packers this. They didn't get their asses absolutely handed to them. They actually were still in that game late. But it should have never been a game late if we are 
to believe they are who they think they are. But when it came right down to it, the grittiest quarterback play of the game came on the biggest play of the game, and it was not Aaron Rodgers who made it. It was Taylor Heineke who made this play on third and nine with 2.12 left to play. Pressure up the middle. Lobs one towards McLaurin who comes back for it and makes a catch at the Packers' 43-yard line. Amazing catch by McLaurin. First down, Washington. Talk uh, about clutch. Amazing catch, but the toughness by Taylor Heineke. standing there, delivering the throw. Heineke just showing tremendous guts to stand in the pocket, under pressure, knowing he's about to get hit, and throw that football to Terry McLaurin. Do you know why that was an amazing play by McLaurin? Because McLaurin is an amazing player. Commanders, radio with that. That third down conversion was one more. This is amazing. That third down conversion was one more than the Packers had the entire game. Because they had none. For the first time in Aaron Rodgers' entire Hall of Fame career, he did not convert a single third down yesterday. Which gave Heineke and McLaurin a chance to stick the dagger in. The same Terry McLaurin that was drafted one pick after the Packers took tight end Jace Sternberger in the third round three years ago. Remember that? This same Jace Sternberger, who is now out of the NFL, and tweeted this during the game yesterday. Incredible tweet. Quote, I can't believe the Packers didn't draft McLaurin. End of quote. That... All the credit in the world to you, big dog. That is an all-time tweet right there. The Packers are even getting clowned by dudes that they drafted for not drafting somebody else to fix the exact problem they have right now. But unlike the doom and gloom in Tampa, Aaron is staying optimistic. Now, he didn't go full R-E-L-A-X mode after the game yesterday, but he did go Walter White instead. goddamn right. When asked if it still seems plausible to him that the Packers could make a run, well, get in and then make a run. Right, it does. I'm not, I'm not worried about this squad. In fact, this might be the best thing for us. Uh, this week, you know, nobody's going to give us a chance. Going to Buffalo and Sunday night football, a chance to get exposed, shoot, might be the best thing for us. My man, and you are my man, it might be the worst thing ever. <laughs> Have you seen what you guys have done the last two weeks, and now you're going to Orchard Park. And they had a bye, and they're lying in wait. Yeah, I don't know if that's the best thing for you. I understand why you're saying that, Aaron. It's right for you to say that. But I think when you say, if what you mean by the best thing for you is the worst thing for you, I would tend to say that's how that is. Shoot, might be the best thing for us. I mean, don't get me wrong. You don't count out a first bout Hall of Famer. You don't count out a guy who won the last two MVPs. You don't count out a guy who's bounced back from slow starts before over and over and over again. You know, I would never give up on this guy. However, have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. 
It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right, a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, it is easy to use, it works without a power source, you don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. He and Bacon45, frankly, just do not look like the guys that they look like even last year. They just don't. So neither he nor his team look anything like they have the last couple of years when he was ripping the MVP hardware and they were competing for the Lombardi. And yes, it's even worse in Tampa where apparently Bacon 45's personal football life, or I should say his football life, is as jacked up as his personal life. And as jacked up as his personal face. Let me repeat that. Bacon 45's football life is as jacked up as his personal life and as jacked up as his personal face. Right in my face. You know, everybody was quick to point out, you came back for this? Right. You came back for this. So now your personal life is jacked up. Your football life is jacked up. Your face is jacked up. Now what? And well, here's the amazing thing. While things are falling apart in the two towns and two communities and two organizations that were projected to be in the mix, Tampa and Green Bay, in all places, of all places, they're coming together in New York City because suddenly neither the Giants nor the Jets can lose. Tampa Bay and Green Bay can't win, but the Giants and Jets can't lose. This is why the Shield is so messed up right now. Messed up in the sense that nobody has any idea what's going on. Anybody who tells you they know exactly what's going on in the NFL is lying to your face. Because I would even allege that nobody knows anything about what's going on. Why? Why would I say that? Because the G-Men are 6-1. and one. That's why I would say that. Because the Jets have won four straight. That's why I would say that. Both teams... Pushed to the last play yesterday, and both teams came through yet again. In years past, both of these joke franchises would find ways to lose. Neither of these teams would ever win those respective games in recent years. But apparently that was then, and this is now, because now they find ways to win. Now they find ways to finish. Now they find ways to avoid the proverbial New York dump in the pants. Yeah, big dump in your pants. It's like they've bequeathed that to Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Like there's a freaking culture change going on in both of those organizations. They're no longer laughing stocks. They're no longer punching bags. They're no longer ass clowns. They're no longer something clowns. that the locals should be ashamed of. I'm not saying that we will see either one of them in Glendale at the end of the year, but I am saying the fans can walk around with their chests out a little bit 
The fans can collect some receipts. The fans no longer have to walk around with bags over their heads because they're not coached by bags. And by the way, I did warn everyone last week that the G-Men should never have been an underdog in Jacksonville this week. Seven seconds to go. Takes the snap. Back to throw. Steps up. Fires it to the end zone. It's caught at the one-yard line. Giants stand him up. He's not in. And the Flames going to run out. The Giants stopped him at the one-yard line. Holy cow. (laughs) Christian Kirk made the catch at the one. And then the Giants rallied to the ball. And the ball game is over. Giants radio, and that ball game was over. Another dub for the walking one-man rebuild. Brian Dable, I have no idea how the hell these guys are 6-1, and frankly. I mean, you can point to their schedule. You can say that they're the worst 6-1 and team ever, but the fact is they're freaking 6-1. and The Giants are 6-1. and It's incredible. Meantime... Robert receipts. Taking receipts. Also getting it done. When Brett Rippon's desperation heave got lost in all that sauce. Rippon. Rifles ahead. End zone. Incomplete. Cortland Sutton got lost in the sauce. The Jets hold up defensively in the waning moments. So that's why you draft someone number four. Yeah, man. The sauce is electric. You sure you want to try the sauce? You know what happens when you try the sauce? You get lost in the sauce. It's one of my favorite sayings. I love getting lost in the sauce. And by the way, I've been lost in the sauce. I've gotten lost in the sauce in this opening segment. The Jets are balling the hell out. They are. The New York football teams are balling the hell out. Tom Brady looks like Kevin Bacon. How about this? He and Aaron Rodgers arguably, not even arguably, were outplayed yesterday by P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke. P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke beat Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So nothing makes sense in the NFL right now. Down is up, black is white, nothing makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. JT, man, I never thought that I would get it. I never thought that I would get it. I need to be vaxxed for the JT. Let's not get into a whole vaccination conversation, but let's just say that if there's a jungle Tourette's vax, we should all get it. How about that? Is that something we can all agree on? Even those of you who are saying, nope, 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 no one's telling me what I'm putting in my body. Nope, 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 nope. I don't know what's in that vax. You know what? I think we can all agree on this one. We all need the JT vax. And then we need boosters. I need a JT booster. I'll do it. I'll do it in both arms. Anyway, right when I thought that it could not get any worse for Ritz, little brother. Exactly, man. I'll take that jab. The jungle Tourette's jab. Right when I thought it couldn't get any worse for Ritz, little brother, Brother. Broncos coach, Nathaniel Ritt, it did. There you go. Premium free music. So I never in my life have seen an NFL head coach. Follow me on this. I have never in my life seen an NFL head coach not named Pervin Liar. Oh, hey, Perv. Two more sleeps until hump day. Hump day. Get it. 
I have never seen an NFL head coach not name Pervin Liar this far in over his head and this ill-prepared to coach in the NFL as Ritt's little brother, Nate Ritt. I don't know what's more or what's worse right now. The trade for cringy Russ or hiring Nate Ritt. I'll say the trade because of how much they gave up to get cringy Russ we got and how much they had to pay him once they got him. But I'm telling you, it's close. The trade is worse because they had to give out all those draft picks and then guarantee all that money to Russ. And Geno Smith is completely outplaying Russ. But Nate Ritt is an unmitigated disaster. They can at least get rid of him after the season or even before the season ends. But they're stuck with Russ. Either way, they're disappointing as hell. And that gum assassin, Pete Carroll, he's got to be laughing his ass off along with John Schneider (laughs) because they absolutely worked the Broncos on that deal. Speaking of sauce, Nate probably hit that sauce after that loss. Got lost in the sauce. I could see Nate just staring at the goal of week 14 on his calendar. Strike off that calendar on the wall, and it's written there in big block letters. Outlast the herb. Outlast the herb. Like in a black Sharpie. You can do it, Nate. I mean, you can't be this bad. Nobody was ever that bad. You can't be this bad. You don't want to be the guy looking up at him, do you? I mean, you got to make it to week 13. But if this keeps up, can you justify keeping this guy? And Herb, by the way, is like, man, I might be off the hook. I might be off the hook. This guy sucks. And I've got two more days to hump day. You know what? I'm having a good Monday. This is probably the best Monday Herb has had in a long time. Also, one last thought regarding New York. I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention Brees Hall. Uber talented. Jets running back. Love him. Scored a big touchdown, but left the game before halftime. Enormous MRI today, but Salah told reporters early tests indicate a serious knee injury. That is a disaster for them. He was a big part of their resurgence. Like if I could create an analogy, Brees Hall running the ball is the equal opposite of Nate Ritt coaching the ball. All right, so I have used antiperspirant sticks for years, but what is amazing about Dove Men Dry Spray is that it feels light and clean on your skin, and it's also quick and easy to use, and it's great for topping up when you're on the go. Now, let me ask you this. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48, I said 48, 48 hours sweat and odor protection. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it is so quick and easy to use, especially when you're on the go. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains... Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect it. Win, win, win. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. We've got him on Zoom. He is Jeffrey Chadiha. Jeffrey, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I feel bad for, for Brees. I know what that's like to have an ACL. I'm just playing some uh, pickup basketball. My knees are killing me right now. 
In fact, I was going to get your reaction to that, Jeffrey. So how bad of a loss, how devastating is that for him personally? And then how big of a loss is that for the Jets who are playing really good ball and he looks like a star? It's a horrible loss. I mean, you're talking about a kid who was really coming on, had established himself as one of the bright young stars in the league. I was just in Florham Park, New Jersey with the Jets, uh, you know, watching him practice and work out and knowing what they were saying about him. Um, it's a huge loss. Um, the good thing for the Jets is they still have Michael Carter. They still have a, a great defense. They're still well coached, but uh, you don't want this for anybody, certainly not a kid who was beginning to really establish himself in the NFL. I agree with you. Jeffrey Chidiha is joining us. So, Jeffrey, I know the Niners are pretty banged up right now. That's a given. I also know they've got a pretty damn good defense, and the Chiefs just shredded them. What impressed you the most about that three-touchdown beatdown Kansas City laid on San Francisco? Well, first of all, it's you look at the way Patrick Mahomes played that game, and there have been a lot of questions about them losing Tyreek Hill and the explosiveness. They look pretty explosive in that game. Um, a lot of big plays, the Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling going down the field, but also rebounding from a, a 10-0 deficit, being able to uh, handle a physical defense. And when you're putting up 400-plus yards against the Niners, regardless of their injury situation, uh, that's an impressive day. So uh, the, the Chiefs needed this uh, at 5-2. and two. That's a lot better going to a bye week than 4-3. and three. Um, they're still chasing the Bills. They're still trying to fend off the Chargers in the AFC West. So a huge win against a really good team. You know, I was going to ask you about the Bills, but you just answered that question in effect for me. When you talk about them fending off the Chargers, what about the Chargers, Jeffrey? Watching them yesterday, do they look like a playoff team to you, or are they flawed and maybe even deeply flawed? <laughs> uh, I think they look, they look like a team that's going through transition and trying to deal with the loss of key players like Joey Bosa and Roshan Slater, uh, Keenan Williams, Keenan Allen just got back in the lineup. Mike Williams got hurt in that game. JC Jackson had not been playing well, trying to adapt to the new defensive schemes, playing more zone than man. And you saw him go down with what looks like a, a pretty severe season ending knee injury as well, or at least put him out for a while with a dislocated kneecap. And so I think they're trying to figure it out. Uh, the good news is they have Justin Herbert. They have Austin Eckler. They have, again, Khalil Mack. They have some great talent, but they are – I think the big thing that scares me about them is that offensively they have this great quarterback and it always seems like they're throwing five-yard passes. Uh, I wish they were more explosive offensively and they got more out of that system. Exactly. Where are the chunk plays right now? Jeffrey Chidiha joining us. Jeffrey, one thought about San Francisco. It's been a few days, but you and I have not spoken about this. What do you make of that deal that the Niners made for Christian McCaffrey? Do you like that deal? I like it. I like it. I know they gave up a lot for him, um, a second, a third, and a fourth round pick. But you look at that, that team, they're built to win a championship right now. And when Jimmy Garoppolo leaves, Next season, they will have a rookie quarterback uh, or, of course, second-year quarterback on a rookie deal. That's going to be a great situation for them to be able to afford McCaffrey. And you saw what, what, he, what he offers. I mean, he just showed up two days ago, and he's already in the offense making some big plays. I think having him, Debo Samuel, having uh, George Kittle, having Kyle Juszczyk, they got a lot of weapons now to put around Garoppolo. And in, the, in an NFC that's not that deep or that competitive, that's, that's a great addition to have to your team. Jeffrey Chadiha is joining us once again. Jeffrey, what about Tampa Bay? They shockingly lost to Pittsburgh. Then they chased that with an even more shocking loss to Carolina. Dude, plenty of blame to go around. But if you want to point the finger at one person or if you want to start in one place, where would you start? 
uh, Tom Brady. There you go. Um, I would say that like he's the key to this whole thing. When he showed up a couple of years ago, he came in. They were going to the park during the pandemic, practicing, getting kicked out, doing whatever it took to make sure that team was going to be playing at a championship level. And, and now he's retired. He's unretired. Um, he vanished for 11 days in training camp. He was at Bob Kraft's wedding um, a couple of weeks ago on a Friday night with Miss Walkthrough. Um, you know, he's still playing at a high level. I think he still cares about football, but I think it's tough for guys his age to be dealing with a team that's where you're surrounded by 25-year-olds. And I, I said this before that I think not having Gronkowski there means more than just on the field. I think that was his pal. That was his that was his guy in the locker room. And I think it's much harder to to rally a team that's already got a championship now, that has new pieces coming in, and you're not doing everything you used to do to get that team on top. I think if, um, you know, a lot of things to, to question about them, uh, they've had injuries, but I just think that he's at a place now where I think Ben Roethlisberger said it, he's not having a lot of fun and it's affecting the entire team. Jeffrey, I tend to steer away from things like this, but it just is so bizarre to me. What do you make of like A.B., posting and just coming at TB the way he is, and especially given the fact that we were led to believe that those two were good. Like, what is that all about? Well, Antonio Brown's like in his own world. Um, I don't know what's going on with him right now because he's not playing football, so it's hard to know where he's at. I'm sure he's not happy about the way last year ended and the fact that Tom Brady wasn't um, on his side when he had that big meltdown against the Jets and walked off the field, but you know, it's like it's, you know, Tom Brady's low-hanging fruit right now for a lot of people, I'm sure, uh, who don't like him, uh, like guys like A.B. But at the end of the day, he's the greatest to ever play the game. Uh, he'll, he'll go down as one of the greatest athletes ever, you know, not just in football. And it's just one of those things that happens. Like, I think Tom, Tom Bowles has even said this about the Bucks right now. There's a lot of guys over there who feel like they, they've already accomplished everything they need to accomplish. Like, they're, they're living off what happened two years ago. And it's just this league is just too tough. It's too it's too hard to win games. There's too many people trying to win a championship to operate as if you're entitled to one. And so, uh, you know, A.B. doesn't surprise me. But again, I think that the Bucks are down. It's easy to kick them. I like that response. I respect that response. I think you nailed it. Jeffrey Chidiha joins me for a few more moments. So where does that leave Green Bay, Jeffrey? Green Bay loses shockingly to the commanders. Is it time now to panic in Green Bay? It, it's been time to panic. It was time to panic in week one <laughs> when you saw what they were trying out there, a receiver, and and it's only gotten worse. And for me, it's like they can't catch, can't block, can't defend, and they can't run the ball consistently. Dude, are those things uh, important Aaron in Rodgers football? One point. Are those important things in football? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's left? What's left, you know? Um, Aaron Rodgers at one point at 60 yards in that game passing in the third quarter. I'm looking at like, what am I watching here? But I feel like they're in a worse place in Tampa because at least Tampa is in a weak division and they're still in first place, no matter you know how bad they're playing. The Packers are looking up at the Vikings right now at five and one. And when you talk, start talking about trying to get a wild card, wild card spot, the Giants are five and one. Cowboys are, are playing well. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that one of the teams in the West is going to be able to get one. Seattle's you know played well. The Falcons, I think, are better than people thought. So you're sitting there at three and four. You're going to get housed by the Bills next week, and after that, you're still looking at a tough schedule. Like if they're nine and eight, ten and ten and seven, they maybe 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 on the outside looking in. 
Let me ask you this before you go. You mentioned Seattle. Seattle is playing really well. Russell Wilson missed yesterday's game with that partially torn hamstring. Does that injury and that bad shoulder explain his poor play in Denver? Or did you see some regression and some slippage in his play last year in Seattle? I think that Denver got the wrong kind of lightning in a bottle where they wanted to hire a coach who was from Green Bay and maybe had a chance of luring Aaron Rodgers. They got the coach and didn't get Rodgers. And then they got Russell Wilson at a time when he was just beginning to go downhill. Now, I don't think uh, Russell Wilson was ever going to be confused with Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but he's also not Sam Darnold. And and so I think there's a a middle ground there he can play within that they're just not doing. When you give a quarterback a big contract, the guy comes in with with Super Bowl pedigree, I think they were trying to play him as if he as if he was a two hundred fifty million dollar quarterback. He's always been a quarterback who's played well with play action, escaping the pocket, improvising, and having a great defense. And they've lost some key pieces that allowed them to play that way with Javante Williams going down, the left tackle getting hurt. But if they were playing that way, I think they'd have more success because their defense is still playing lights out. But I think Russ, yeah, he's he's starting to lose it. And the thing when you're when you're a short quarterback. And you're having to put balls in the tight windows. It's a hard way to make a living when you can't run the way he used to run. I would agree with that. If he's not getting out and beating you with his legs, then that is going to be a really challenging situation. He is an NFL Network reporter, NFL.com senior columnist. He has the Emmy Award. He is an author. He's got an excellent podcast, too. (laughs) Red, Gold, and Bold podcast, my man. I appreciate the hustle. You look great, Jeffrey. Always good to have you on the show. And thanks a million, man. That was great. That was fun. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of high lie, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. High lie is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighLightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport, with its intensity and athleticism, is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis, with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com, Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. He is Carlos Pena. Carlos, so good to have you back. How are you? Jim, doing great. It's a pleasure to uh, join you this uh, today. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. So, Carlos, let's talk about the matchup. The World Series is set. You've got the upstart Phillies, Carlos, who were one of the last ones in. You've got the Astros, who seemingly are always in. I love the matchup. How about you? How fired up are you to see these two go at it? Well, I'm pumped. You know, I, I got to admit, a little disappointed, uh, or more than a little disappointed, that the Yankees were not able to give um, – Houston, a little bit more of a fight. Um, I mean, they really underperformed. They seemed overmatched uh, the, the entire series, struck out a ton. The, the pitching by Houston was absolutely dominant. And now it remains to be seen how this pitching plays against the Phillies, who are 
extremely hot, you know, because that's the best way to describe it. They're just a hot team. I know they're talented, but make no mistake about it. When you look at Houston Astros uh, performance during the regular season, and then you see what the Phillies did during the regular season, you would say that on paper, Houston is the stronger of the two. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, Carlos. I want to double back to what you said about the Yankees in a minute, but when you look at the Phillies, I mean, Carlos, to your point, sometimes it's not the best team, it's the hottest team, and arguably they might be the hottest team. They were seven games under five hundred on June 2nd when Joe Girardi was replaced by Rob Thompson. What does Thompson bring to it, and how was he able to get these guys squared away and the entire season turned around the way it did? Well, he definitely had the secret formula because they got everybody uh, playing in the right uh, the right way, just maximizing their talent. Obviously, this team is extremely talented. I mean, make no mistake about it. They were underperforming. But as soon as Thompson takes over, things started to change. Now, we can start pinpointing maybe that there was no chemistry in the clubhouse. Maybe Girardi um, uh, did not have the close-knit relationship with players, et cetera, et cetera. But that's all the speculation. Uh, uh, personally, Girardi, I work with him. He's just a, a gem of, of a guy, of a person, baseball, man. So we cannot pinpoint exactly what happened. The one thing is that we have seen the evidence on the field. This team came together and started playing lights out the way we knew that they were capable of doing. Now, I would be lying to you if all of us, if any of us, I mean, please raise your hand out there if you were predicting that Philly was going to be in this position. And I'll call you a liar to your face. No doubt about that, right? Who knew that? How could you possibly have known that? Even coming in, playing as well as they did late, they still were a six seed coming in. But then, Carlos, you know this as well as anybody. When your stars are coming through on the big stage, when the stakes are highest, that's exactly what you want. And Bryce Harper, who's waited his whole life to be in this position, is doing that. What kind of thoughts do you have as you watch him play during the postseason and put up the numbers he is? Bryce Bryce Harper, just nothing short of impressive. I mean, coming through in the opportune moments when he's needed, clutch. Look, yesterday's home run. It's unbelievable because I, I, it was almost as we're talking about making predictions and making bold predictions and how I would call someone a liar if they said that the Phillies were going to be in this position. Well, yesterday I'm watching Harper hit in that particular bat when he hit a home run to left field, and I say, a fastball out of the plate, home run to left field, and sure enough, he gets it, he doesn't miss it. But now – this is that mature Harper, the mature Harper that understands the moment and doesn't let it be bigger than him. And we've seen this coming here the last couple of years. MVP, you saw how much it meant to him to win that last MVP. More than ever before, this maturity that he's displayed, kind of like taking this team on his shoulders and really never shying away from being that guy, from being the guy who says, you know what, I'm going to be the leader of this ball club. This is why I signed here. And I'm going to lead my team to the promised land. Well, yesterday was in full display. He has absolutely embodied that mentality of I'm going to take my troops to the promised land. And he certainly did yesterday with that blast to left field when Palaka down a fastball away. But I could almost feel the moment built. It's, it reminds me of when Michael Jordan used to hit those big threes or the game-winning shot, and you knew he was going to get the ball. Everybody in the stadium, in the arena, knew he was going to get the ball, and he was still make it. And that's exactly how it felt yesterday in Philly when Bryce Harper was up to bat. That has been a long time coming. I think he has arrived to that stage in his career when he has become the player that he always dreamt of. And, and that, that needs to be noted um, because we're watching greatness. You know, it, it, it's truly, I've always been a fan, but we know that early on in the years, you know, he wasn't well-liked maybe because of his immaturity. 
and, and maybe because of his attitudes. There's no one out there that plays harder than him right now, and, and I, I couldn't be happier for the guy. I mean, that's why he signed in Philly to be in this position. Exactly right. I mean, such a great point. That's what he wanted. He signed up for it. And Philly, Philly, like New York, like Boston, is not for everybody. He wanted that. He wanted that opportunity. He wanted that challenge. He wanted to be on the big stage. And then wanting to be on the big stage, Carlos, does not mean you're going to perform on the big stage. And that was such an amazing amazing moment in that franchise history. Carlos, before you go, I want you to double back to the Yankees. All right, so the Astros swept them, dominated them during the regular season. My point is, it's not that they're not a good matchup. Well, they're not a good matchup because the Astros are so much better. What do the Yankees need to do to close the gap, and then where do they go from here? Wow, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I know it's going to be a lot of second-guessing going on. I know that, that Booney right now, you know, it's, it's having a hard time just looking back at every single game. But in reality, Jim, like the team just did not perform. Guys did not have good at bats against the Astros pitchers. Yes, the Astros pitching was good. But I also can isolate the approach at the plate that the Yankees had. And I can tell you it was just not optimal. Um, sometimes you have to take the fight to the dog. You can't just sit back and wait for the pitcher to come to you. You have to take the fight to them. And I thought that the Yankees were not able to do that. And now they find themselves out of it. I really thought they were going to have a better show um, in this postseason. Unfortunately, it ends poorly. Now, going forward, I think number one priority is you want to get Aaron Judge back. Um, I think it's huge for the, for the fan base. It's huge for the team. Uh, this team is, it was a great ball club. And I know that it had some st- stumbling uh, blocks that he, they had to go through and overcome. They still transcended the challenge, mostly because of Aaron Judge's uh, heroics, you know, throughout the end. The team, he put the team on his back. Maybe he was exhausted, you know, here towards the end. It, it was a difficult series, not only for him, for the entire uh, lineup. Where do they go from here? People are like, oh, who's going to get fired? Nah, that's, that, we, we can't go there. This is, this is the postseason play. If you do not show up and make the plays, hit the clutch hits, you know, get your clutch hits, make the right pitches in the right moment in a short series, it can go south on you in, in a hurry, and that's precisely what happened. You know how we know that? Look what happened to the Phillies. Were, were the Phillies the best team um, in, in baseball? Were, were they the best team in the National League? Absolutely not. But guess who played the best? At the right moment, the Phillies did. That's why they're in the World Series. So does this mean now we're going to dismantle this team? We're going to start firing people? I think that's silly. That's just trying to find a scapegoat. Let's, 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 let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Let's make sure we pay attention to what's really important. Right now, priority, hey, let's, let's see if we can get uh, a judge back in here. Let's check our pitching. You know, we have good leadership on the boon. He's, he's done a great job over the last few years. I know they haven't sealed the deal, Jim, but I'm always afraid of these, like, emotional making moves emotionally instead of intelligently. Carlos Pena joining us. I like that point, too. So, bottom line, what are you expecting from this series? Are we going to get a long series, a competitive series, a compelling series? How do you think it plays out? <laughs> you know what? I'm done predicting baseball. <laughs> I see you working. All I can tell you is I see you working. You know, you know why, Jim? Because I was tired of this narrative and during the season, like, oh, yeah, this team, all oh, the Dodgers, all the. You know who we have in the World Series? We have a wild card ball club. You know who we're playing in the who we're playing the National League Championship Series? Two wild card teams. So we got to stop predicting baseball. Maybe in the long season, 
we can say, hey, the Dodgers are the stronger ball club, 162 games, a long sample size. Of course, the best team is going to uh, go ahead and get ahead of everybody else because they are the better team. In a short series, anything can happen. That is why. Do not look at the rankings. This is all I'm saying. Do not look at the rankings. I know the, the on paper, the Houston Astros are still favorites, but the Philadelphia Phillies have nothing to lose. They are the hottest team. I could even venture to say they're even hotter than the Houston Astros. So do not think they're just going to be a pushover. This team is flying high, and they will love to dethrone the mighty you know, talk about empires, right? The Yankees being out. Well, Houston has kind of become an empire in the American League. Pretty much perennial postseason ball club. They might be dethroned by the quote-unquote David, weaker David versus Goliath story and David wins it. Well, maybe this is going to be uh, pretty much embodied here in this series coming up. So did I make a prediction there? Maybe. <laughs> but uh, – uh, uh, Philly's going to be tough uh, on Houston Astros. No, the, the, I think the prediction is the prediction is we just don't know, and you better play the series, and it's going to be good. <laughs> MLB Network is going to have <laughs> live fun. on-site coverage before and after every World Series game. It begins on Friday night at Houston's Mini Maid Park. Carlos Pena, right in the middle of all this. Carlos, really appreciate you. Thank you very much for that. Love the energy, and I can't wait for that series to start. Appreciate it. Jim, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help you regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app and see terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. There's a lot to talk about right now. And even though V covered this, I should probably weigh in. The atrocity that is the LA Lakers. I mean, they are so bad that even on a Monday, with all that football, I've got no choice but to weigh in. It's only been three games. And somehow this team is making Laker fan miss last season. AKA the biggest failure of a season in the history of the franchise. I mean, it's not failure at all. I mean, it is a failure, LeBron. I mean, it was the biggest failure. If not a failure at all, you mean the biggest failure ever, then I agree with you. Not a failure at all. No, it absolutely was a failure, Bron. It was a horrendous excuse for a sequel that you put out last summer. And yet somehow things already seem way worse now than they did at any point last season. I mean that. Things seem way worse now than they did at any point last season, and we're only three games in. The 0-3 Lakers might be uglier and tougher to watch than Space Jam 2, and that is saying something. They were actually in pretty decent shape yesterday against the Blazers. They had a one-point lead with 27 seconds left and possession. They had an eight-point lead not long before that. Unfortunately, when they had that one-point lead and possession, Russell Westbrook was in possession. And I think we all know what happened next. What should have happened was a pass to anybody else. What did happen was... A brick. Half a minute to play. Lakers and Russ into the front court. Russell pull up. No, Russ, no. He missed it. How bad is it when the play-by-play dude is yelling, No, Russ, no. Russell pull up.
the second best thing to how do you ponder passing in that situation? How do you ponder shooting in that situation? It's actually both. How do you ponder moving the ball to Russ in that situation? Why do you even ponder passing to Russ? No, Russ, no. The the own employees of the team are no rushing, no. No, Russ, no. But then again, every single Russell or every single Laker fan there was also yelling, no, Russ, no. I mean, that applies at this point to pretty much every single shot he takes. No, Russ, no. Check out this tweet from Mark Spears. Quote, Russell Westbrook has shot four for 26. 15.4% in his last two games. From Elias, that is tied for the worst field goal percentage over any two-game span by a Lakers player in the last 50 years. Minimum, 25 FGA. Westbrook tied himself from earlier this year in January. In other words, hashtag no, Russ, no. Dude, that's incredible. In 50 years of that franchise, that is the worst shooting mark after two or in two games with 25 or more field goals attempted from a Hall of Famer? The same dude who wants us to stop calling him Westbrick. Westbrick. Who finds that so insulting. Russ, you've got two options at this point. You make some shots or you stop shooting. But I promise, if you keep throwing up bricks at this historic rate, they will call you West Brick forever, long after you're done playing. Thing is, it's not only West Brick laying bricks. Somehow, the Lakers were even worse from three than they were against the Clippers on Thursday night. They were six of 33 as a team from deep yesterday. LeBrick was two of nine himself. A brick was one off the side of the backboard himself. And this is not just a team with the most hideous jump shooter ever. It is the most hideous jump shooting team ever that also happens to have the single worst brick layer of them all playing point guard. Let me stop for a minute. Hey, V, am I keeping up with you? Should I stop? Did you cover all this already? Lestinka? Pastinka? Anyway, the architect of this purple and gold Titanic is already tired of talking about the biggest problem that he helped create. What I'm saying is LeBron is already done talking about the guy that he wanted on the team, the bricklayer. I don't know. I feel like this is an interview of trying to set me up to say something. I can tell that you guys are in the whole Russell Westbrook uh, category right now. I don't like to lose. I hate to lose at any – I don't care what happens throughout the course of – the course of my season, uh, throughout the course of my career, I hate to lose, and you know, especially you know the way we had this game. Um, but give credit to Portland. You guys can write about Russ and all the things you guys want to try to talk about Russ, but I'm not up here to do that. I won't do it. I've said it over and over. That is not my. It's not who I am. So. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I'm watching your body language. I'm seeing your reaction. Don't act like you're not bothered by this. Don't act like you had nothing to do with this. 
when you push to bring this guy in. Don't act like, hey, man, this is us against you guys and you're the ones making this a story. When you're the one who came out after game one and talked about how it's not exactly like we have lasers around here. It's not like, you know, we're sitting here with a lot of lasers on our team. So in two games, you're turning this on its head and making it an us against you and us trying to get you to say things. We're not trying to get you to say anything, Braun. We're it's asking about your inability to navigate the rock into the hole. You seem to be all right at it at closer range, but you need to make shots to win, and you guys can't. Don't put this on the media. We didn't construct that roster, Braun. You did. Urgh! Rob Lowe, quote, Lestinka did. Whoever did. Whoever the hell is running that Rob franchise Lestinka. now? You, the Rambi, Genie, Lestinka, whoever. Rob the media Lestinka. did not construct that franchise, Bron. Don't put that on us. The media is not shooting 15.4% over the last couple of games. Westbrook is. The media is not the one shooting 6 of 33. Do, don't do that. Don't put this on us. We're not the ones. And by the way, it's not an interview. It's a presser, and you're getting constant questions about Russ because you pushed for Russ, and Russ is not getting it done. Like, I don't know. Did, did Russ not work on that shot in the offseason? We, we knew this was an issue, right? And as you go, you have to work on your game. You can't keep doing the same things you've always done, especially as you, as you age, and you can no longer count on this explosiveness and this athleticism. Don't you work on your game? Don't you rework your game? I think you do, Bron. Where was Westbrook? Why did he Westbrook. not work on that shot when we knew he couldn't shoot it? Dude, stop acting also like you're not in the similar category to those who are questioning the way this roster is built and the way this guy shoots. I mean, come on. Come on. Stop making this a media thing. The media is not shooting 15.4%. The media is not 0-3. You know what the media is doing? The media is doing its job. You know, in terms of us trying to get you to say things, come on. You're a Hall of Famer, dude. You're the smartest guy in the room. And we're not trying to get you to do anything. It's not who I am. So. Except be accountable and own your 0-3 start. I feel kind of badly for Darvin Ham. I mean, imagine being named captain of the Titanic after it had already cracked in half. <laughs> you, know what, you know what's really rich? I got to say about LeBron. This is what's really rich about LeBron going in on the media. My man... Half the media is in your back pocket. Half the media is terrified of you, dude. That, that's rich of you to go in on the media when essentially you, you own half the media. Half the media is terrified of you. So that, that's kind of rich, honestly. Are you trying to beat back the other half that's not? Or what is that? Not above reproach. Not above questioning. You're own 3 So, as far as Darvin Ham, yeah, I kind of feel badly for this guy. Like, he knows what he signed up for. But I don't think he signed up for the purple and gold Titanic being cracked in half. Yo, my man, here are the keys. Grab the wheel. Ignore the freezing cold water pouring in from every direction. Just know you've got about 12 minutes to live. The ship is going down. It's taking water fast. You're the captain. You let those go in the first class first, and the women, and the kids. In fact, you go last, dude. 
Somewhere, Frank Vogel is sitting back going, oh, I guess it wasn't my fault. V is in the fee. Yo, V, what's up? Kareem Abdul-Jarome. What is up, my guy? I got a question, dude. Did you wake up feeling chaotic? I woke up faking chaotic, but actually, I'm, I'm pissed, dude. I'm a Lakers fan, and I'm red hot. Yo, my man, if they keep shooting the pill like this, the crypt is going to be emptier than Rip's wallet, even emptier than Rip's hair follicles. These clowns shoot like Plaxico Burris, Crank Cheney, and Ron Reagan's assassin combined. They couldn't hit the toilet if they were sitting down. Old bag of bones Rick felt that. Hey, Rob Pastinka, great roster building, broham. Really stoked to have you through 2026. Jeannie Buss, you're on fire this offseason. I appreciate what you've done for the Lake Show. Great future building. And look, I'm going to give Darvin Ham some credit, though. You're right, Jim, earlier on my email. I'm going to give him credit. The defense has looked great. He's got a wicked strategy. He's been killing it, getting these boys hyped. But I'm pissed at you, Darvin Ham, because you said that you were going to make Russell Dressbrick sacrifice. Hell, we're up by eight points with three minutes left, and he brings Dressbrick back in. And what happened? The Lakers collapse and fold like a tent. I almost threw up. Actually, I did. Space Jam 2 vibes. Random call war. End of call war. Sorry, I'm just red hot. End of call war. All that drug talk last week during the beat segment, think of this. Unwar people who take drugs, i.e. airport security. V and the P. Rack him. Good night now!